0: Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew And today on the show, we're going to talk about the process of buying property. So we often talk a lot about property in general, but today we're going to talk about well, how do you actually go about buying a property. Now, Andrew, you've done this over a hundred times yourself between you and some of your business partners, as well as almost a thousand times with our clients at Opus. So talk to us, what is the process?
1: Okay, so the first, pro- there's a million steps, but let's just cover the basic ones. Um, So the first thing, of course, is get have to find a property. And so part of this is figuring out what you want in an investment property. So are you looking for a growth property or are you looking for a yield property? And we've covered that in the past. So if you're looking for growth for future income or retirement income, something like that, look for something that you're going to get significant capital growth out of. If you need money now, then you're looking for a yield property that maybe will sacrifice some growth there. Um, and then maybe look at things like renovations or, or something that's already done. And we've spoken about that in a previous podcast as well. Once you've figured that out, you go to market and people will make the mistake of just looking at what they like. So I'd advise you, first of all, is to make this a business decision. Don't, don't consider anything that you want necessarily. Um, yes, you want it to be desirable. Yes, you, you know you don't want to buy something that looks like a slum that you'd never live in, but it doesn't need to have a pool. It doesn't need to have a lot of land. Just buy something that makes sense from a numbers perspective. And once you've found that property, then you need to do the numbers. You need to figure out the maximum amount that you can pay for that property to make it a viable investment. Now you can do this yourself. Um, if you if you write down, you know, your mortgage, what that cost, and then your rates, insurance, your accounting, um, maintenance, always provision for the things that are going to happen in the future, and then look at the rent and t- discount that by at least three weeks a year for vacancy. If you're buying an existing property, um, uh, three weeks is probably fine for a new property, and then look at what the net result is, and and. If you don't know how to do that yourself, go to our website, opuspartners.co.nz. There's a tool on there that Ed's created that actually allows you to do that. So you punch in all the details, and it'll tell you what that can cost per week. And it's really important if there's a cost per week that you make sure that your family unit can afford that before you go making an offer. Because if you can't, the last thing you want to do is get yourself into a hole. Get yourself into a situation where you're going to have to sell this property in year three, because all of a sudden your schooling costs have gone up because the kids have gone to a private school. So think about things like that. Once you've decided on how much you can offer, you have to make that offer. Now, if you're dealing with a real estate agent, you've just got to be aware they can be quite tricky, and I disclaimer that because I own a real estate company, so they they work for the vendor, so make no mistake that when you go and you approach a real estate agent, they're working for someone else, and their job is to get you up in price, so they'll use every trick in the book to do that. So be firm on what your number is. If you're buying at negotiation, it's relatively easy. If you're buying at auction, you need to have done all your due diligence first, which I'm going to talk about. So you do this slightly in the reverse order where you do all your research, you spend your time and your money doing that research, and then you go to auction and you hope that you win. If you're buying by negotiation, it's much, much easier. And I make the recommendation that you have some get out of jail, free cards in your in your conditions. So when you make an offer, just bear in mind that it's unlikely that your first offer will be accepted. I know myself, um, I, whenever I get an offer if I'm going to sell something, I will always counter offer that. So the way that works is you go in and you say, right, I'm prepared to pay $475,000 for this property, and the agent takes that to the owner and they consider it and they'll look at the price that you're offering, the settlement terms, and most importantly, the conditions. So what do you have to do before you go unconditional? Now, I would recommend you always have two weeks in there for finance, for your lawyer to check over the contract and for you to do, say, a builder's report if it's an existing property. So you want to make sure it's structurally sound. Um, don't just um, trust that because it looks good, it is structurally sound. Um, make sure you've got provisions in there so you can work through due diligence. Now, that can go back and forth a few times. They might come back at 495, you might settle at 490. Now, Then you've got what's called a live deal. Now a live deal means you now need to start working. So in that process, I would recommend you see a solicitor. So your solicitor is going to check over the contract and they're going to check over everything um, to do with the property file. So that could be things like the title. Um, They might check the limb to check whether or not there's any um, adverse uh, things like Um, flooding issues in that area, whether or not there's slips nearby, and they'll check that the contract protects you. Um, Then you'll go see a mortgage broker. Now, they're going to help you go to the bank and apply for finance. Now, you might already be pre-approved, but the bank still needs to have time to check that this property is appropriate for what they're going to lend on. So bear in mind if you're going to buy a property which has got work to do, or maybe it's, it's built in an era of leaky homes, they might not lend as much. So it's really important, even if you're pre-approved, you still run the property past the bank. Next, you want to talk to an accountant. Now, accountant will tell you the most appropriate way to structure this from a tax perspective. So they might say, okay, well, in this case, you might own a trust or a look-through company or something like that. It's important you get this advice early on because that might affect the banking side of things. Then i talk to a property manager, you want to consider the demand for that property. How much rent will I get? How many weeks vacancy can I expect? Is it specific to students or is it specific to a family? And if it's a family, um, am I close to car par- uh, Sorry, uh, uh, parks and am I close to you know playgrounds for the kids? All those kind of things. And then of course a builder's check. Have someone go through that property if it's existing and check that it's structurally sound. That there's nothing untoward or no major cost costs for maintenance that you're going to have to pay for in the next five to ten years. And if there are, you need to provision for them now in your budget. So maybe make your maintenance $2,000 a year rather than $500 a year if it was newer. Once you've done all of these checks and you meet the end of your due diligence phase, that's when you need to make a decision. That's when the real commitment happens. Am I buying this property or am I kicking it back? Now, if anything thro- throws up a red flag at that stage, you can always cancel the contract if you've structured it right. If you are going ahead with it, that's when you confirm and that's when you pay a deposit. And that's when you can celebrate because you've actually committed to buying the property. Um, but just remember, you want to have provisions in that contract so if anything comes up, you can walk away from it once you're unconditional and you've paid the deposit then it's just a matter of time for the settlement so sometimes it can be two weeks sometimes that can be to, it could be to be built so it could be a year away and then Ed's going to cover off what happens with settlement.
0: So once we get to settlement that might be t- two weeks or so after that you have confirmed the property what will happen is your solicitor will gather up the funds in order to be able to make the money change hands. So they'll get the the mortgage from from your bank, they'll get any deposit that you have, collect that in their trust account so it's all secure. And then they will provide you with a statement about where that money has come from and where that money is going. And then when it comes to settlement day they will transfer all of those funds over to the current owner of the property. And that's when you you legally own it. Um, Then what you'll need to do is go up and this sounds really simple but you've got to do it is go and pick up the keys or your property manager, organise for somebody to pick up the keys for the property and then you can uh, start moving your, your tenants in. Of course, the other thing that's really important is to get all of your bank accounts set up. So have a dedicated bank account for your rental property. Set up some automatic payments to go out from your rates, insurance, and of course for your mortgage as well. And talk to your property management company uh, about when that money's going to come into your, your bank account so that you can structure when are those automatic payments going to come out. Of course, you need a uh, property manager as well to look after this property. Uh, and so you'll want to sign an agreement with them and talk about the terms of, of what sort of tenants you want. They'll then go and find the tenant that's going to move into your property, start advertising for it. Of course, you'll also want to start Uh, making an automatic payment from your own transactional accounts into your, your investment properties account for the contribution that you'll make each week. That's just so it starts to build up. But you'll also want to pay very close attention in the first couple of weeks or months to make sure that you know, if you don't have a tenant initially, that there's money in there to be able to pay the mortgage, you know, and things like that to make sure that we get it set up correctly. Uh, Of course, you can potentially self-manage your property. And I think we will talk in a future episode about uh, uh, the work that's involved in doing that. Uh, But that's just when it starts. After that, you've got another 10 to 20 years, of course, of managing this property to ensure that you get the gains that we've initially talked about.
1: Um, Just a couple of things I want to cover before we finish up. If you are brave enough to do this alone, and you're going to do all of these steps, um, my two major points of of, of advice are be smart about your budget, so be realistic. Factor in things like long-term maintenance and factor in things like vacancy and put away from from day one some money for those things. Uh, and and make, sure, make sure you have a buffer account there, so borrow a bit of extra money if you have to. Have that as a revolving credit so you know there's a backstop. And I know we've spoken about that before. Make sure that you're not going to go backwards if something changes in your lifestyle. And the other thing is, don't let this become emotional at all. As soon as you start to think about things um, that are of an emotional sense, like we might live in that area one day, you will lose money, and and I say that genuinely because you will stop making decisions that are smart business decisions. And I say it all the time: people thinking I'll retire there. Or we want to be in that school zone at some stage, don't do it. That's not an investment mindset and you will lose money.
0: And of course, if you do want to learn more about property investment or buying your first home, we do have video courses available on our website. So our investment one is at O P E S Partners. That's opuspartners.co.nz. And actually for for we had a question come in from the website about what What the hell does Opus mean? Opus actually means wealth, and we always say Opus does mean wealth, both in terms of the word itself and the company. Um, So go to opuspartners.co.nz, and if you want to sign up for that free investment property course, remember that's going to be charged at the start of next year. And we have just launched today our First Home Buyers course. That's at opusfirsthome.co.nz, and that's currently $9 down from $99. So if you want to learn more, that's where you go. Of course, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. But until next time, let's bring in that outro music. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with more daily insights, strategies, and tactics to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.